We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway, lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. A late shot on the middle. Oh, oh, the finisher, The crossover, Levine. Get up or get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Pat. We're talking about the three and four Chicago Bulls. The Bulls have won three of their last four games. It is not all doom and gloom like it typically is on this podcast, like it was on this podcast after the season opener against the Hawks. Uh, the Bulls are showing some signs of life. I think, you know, obviously it's a team that is still extremely young, so they're going to have some uneven performances. But I think what we've seen so far is that the veterans can really play. The Bulls are a much better team when they actually have Otto Porter in the lineup, when they have Fat Young utilized more correctly. And I think we're also seeing that Billy Donovan is a pretty significant improvement over Jim Boylan. Big surprise there. So, uh, Jason, what, what have you seen from this team, you know, over the last week? Yeah, I, I guess let's just – we can run down what did happen over the last week. I believe the last time we podcasted was after that first Wizards game, which they won – they handily won that one. It was close for a while, and then they pulled away in the second half. They won the game pretty easily. And then they played the Wizards again, uh, second game at Washington. I thought they were going to lose that game, and that was on New Year's Eve, and they came out and they won again. It, lo- it looked like uh, it was it was a pretty close game throughout. It looked like the Bulls were going to fall apart in the fourth quarter. They went into the fourth quarter with a lead, uh, and then the Wizards came back. The Wizards went up by five with like four or five minutes left. But then it was the Bulls who came up big down the stretch, uh, and got the win. A couple big defensive stops aided by Bradley Beal just losing the ball straight up. Uh, just some Wizards just badness between Beal losing the ball and like Rui Hachimura threw a ridiculous pass down three. Davis Bertans had an awful night and missed a game-tying three. Uh, Zach Levine did have a nice deep block of Russell Westbrook in the final minute, but it was the Bulls who did not melt down in that game. So a nice little late-game comeback. The next day, I mean, they, 
going to Milwaukee shorthanded because as uh, I believe we talked about this last pod, they are shorthanded without Tomas Sadoransky, who tested positive for COVID. Chandler Hutchinson tested positive for COVID. Larry Markin and Ryan, uh, and Ryan Archdiakono. I know Markin had the calf thing. I'm not sure if right now it's that or the health and safety, like contract tracing stuff that he's out for. Either way, all four of those guys were out. So going to Milwaukee on New Year's Day after that second that second Wizards game, I mean, you just feel like that they never had a chance in that one. And sure enough, they lost by 30 points. They got they got their ass beat. So uh, that dropped them to what was that one and four? Uh, is my right on that one for two? Either way, whatever. Two, that was two and four. Uh, and then the game last night, they play the Dallas Mavericks, who on paper initially you think, all right, that's probably a loss. Like Luka Doncic is playing. I know the Mavs weren't playing that well. The Bulls did beat uh, Luka Doncic-led Mavs team last season, and that game also did not have Chris Stapps for Zingas. Then the Bulls caught a break with Luka Doncic sitting out last night. So you figure no Luka, no KP. The Bulls have to win this game. And the first half comes happens, and it's Jalen Brunson just absolutely going off. The Mavs scored, I think, 60 points in the first half. The Bulls were losing. The Bulls stayed in it almost single-handedly because of Zach Levine putting in 21 first-quarter points, 29 uh, first-half points overall. Uh, they kept it close, and then they kind of took over in the second half. Kobe White finally woke up. He had a, Kobe had a rough first half. I think he only had two points in the first half. Was just really struggling again after an awful game against the Bucks. Both Zach and Kobe really struggled against that Bucks defense. Uh, but Kobe uh, figured it out in the second half. He exploded in the fourth quarter, fifteen fourth quarter points. Uh, and then, and once again, when it looked like the Bulls might melt down, uh, or their lead I think which got to as big as like nine or so. Uh, early in the fourth quarter, got down to two with three or four minutes to go. Zach Levine drew a couple foul, uh, drew a foul, hit two free throws, and then a really nice pick and roll rookie. I think you uh, tweeted this tweet, this highlight, just showing uh, the really the pinpoint pass to Otto Porter for a layup, kind of gave them separation again. And the the Mavs were just never really able to get get that close again. They really struggled from three. Kobe White hit a nasty step back three to kind of uh, give the dagger. And the Bulls got to win in a game that I really they really should have when. Mavs team missing their two superstar players. You got to win that game on your home court. And the Bulls almost blew it. It felt like a game where if it was last season that they would have blown it. But this time they get the win. Uh, you mentioned the veteran stuff. Uh, we've seen Thad Young, huge impact in that in that second Wizards game. Otto Porter had 28 points in a revenge game in that second Wizards game. Uh, we've seen Thad. He, Thad played really well last night. We saw Thad Young uh, closing the game at the five. And I believe he closed one of the other recent games at the five as well. Uh, so Billy Dodden, again, you mentioned Billy Dodden kind of, kind of mixing and matching with his veterans and mixing them in with the young guys and just trying to find those lineups that work, especially in crunch time. We've seen Garrett Temple get crunch time minutes. And I know all, like on offsets are kind of messy to start with, but you look at it right now, you look at the Bulls on off, on off court stats. Thad Young is plus 7.3. Uh, Garrett Temple is plus 3.8, and, and that's in 141 41 minutes. It's basically like the bench guys all have the best <laughs> best uh, net ratings, while the, the young starting lineup and then also Otto, I guess, as well. But the starting lineup has really struggled. But the bench guys have played really well with that nice mix of veterans in there. So, And that's that kind of competence, uh, competence with these veterans mixed in with the young guys with some explosions from the core. Plus, Billy Donovan, maybe not being a complete boob, has gotten the Bulls back into a three and four record, which is like the same record as uh, what, like the Nets are three and four. I think the Mavs are two and five. Obviously, a lot of crazy stuff going, and and it's and it's made crazier as well because the Bulls have played basically three really good teams that have played really well this so far this season: the Bucks, Hawks, 
and uh, the Pacers, and they've gotten their ass kicked just badly in all three games. But in these other games against these other lesser teams who've been struggling, who are without guys, they've been competitive, and they've pulled out a couple wins here. So I think this probably tells you that the Bulls aren't completely awful, like we might have thought after those first three games, but that they should be competitive with a lot of these teams. They're really going to struggle against good teams. That shows just kind of a team that's mediocre. But if they can at least, we, we can at least start to see them be a bit more competitive against good teams. That would be nice. And I, I would guess that'll come. I don't think they're going to lose by 20 to 30 points every time they play like a really good team. But uh, the fact that they have been more competitive and they have won a few of these close games after starting 0-3 is a nice sign. Yeah, I think we've seen a few things so far. Uh, one, the veterans are just a really a huge boost to this team. And I think, you know, Thad Young was a guy who was widely regarded as like one of the more underrated role players in the entire league uh, in the season before the Bulls signed him. Now, Thad Young did not make a huge impact on the Bulls in his first season. He was, he was awfully <laughs> being totally misused by Boylan. Yeah. Boylan had him playing on the perimeter. He had him shooting a lot of catch and shoot threes. And Thad just never really found his rhythm. I mean, he was complaining about his role. It seemed like he wasn't happy. It seemed like there just wasn't really a good spot for him. And now you look at how Boylan's using him, and he's been going with him. Donovan. Like, I'm sorry. Now you look at how Donovan's <laughs> using him. And he's using him, you know, as an interior player all the way. He's doing a lot of small ball five action, especially to close games. We saw that against the Wizards. I think we also saw that against the Mavs. So yep. Yep. That, that just looks like, really good in that role. And he's still, like, a super smart, crafty defensive veteran like this was a guy who was always near the top of the lead in steals for power forwards in deflections uh when the bull signed him you know he had a reputation as being like a heady player who had a lot of versatility who could actually give you some veteran know-how in terms of like both playing interior defense and protecting the paint and also like sticking some of the better individual players in the league we saw him strip Giannis during that blowout game against the Bucks, he's historically defended Giannis very well. So, Jason, I love seeing Thad balling because they should trade him. And I don't know if he actually had any market last season. I don't know if he had any market uh, this offseason. But I think right now, if Thad continues to play well, especially in clutch minutes, if he continues to show that you know he can actually defend guys like Giannis, he could defend... Uh, some of the other big forwards that are superstars across the league, at least, you know, do as good of a job on those guys as anyone could do. It's not like you're ever going to slow them down. But I do think that makes him very uh, tradable. And that should be something the Bulls are looking at. I also think Otto Porter's been awesome. Like, Porter, I I really thought he was the best player on the team coming into last season. When Porter got hurt last year, I believe his last game was against the Cavs. Do I Am I recalling that correctly uh, off the top of my head? But, like, he got hurt within the first 10 games of the season, right? Or something like that? Uh, the Hawks game nine. Okay. And then the Bulls were basically DOA as soon as he was out. Like, they had no chance. And coming into this year, I think we were all way lower on Otto. Uh, because he looked overweight, because he had more persistent injury issues, because we all saw that stupid Twitter video of him, uh, <laughs> you know, partying in the pandemic. Copeland champagne. So I think, you know, everyone sort of lowered their expectations on Otto. Otto is still probably the one guy on this roster who's most conductive to like scaling up to a winner. So I think, you know, if you're a team that's like a fringe contender, if you need a wing, I'm looking at Denver. Denver is no wing. 
Texans, dude. Like, Denver would kill for a player like Otto. Really, any team could use Otto because you can slide him at the three or the four. He's a great catch-and-shoot guy. He's still using his length, and he has an expiring contract. So I think, you know, absolutely. I don't know, like, what the Bulls are really going to get for a guy on an expiring deal, if that maybe makes him more attractive. I'm thinking of the Clippers trading their first-round pick to the Knicks last season for Marcus Morris. I think Fad and Otto are both uh, potentially, like, you know, more winning type of players than Marcus Morris is. So I would really like to see the Bulls try to trade Otto and Thad Young, and that would be a two-part benefit. The first part is that, you know, the Bulls just need to improve their asset base. That's something that I think should be a big focus for Karnaschovas and Eversley coming in. Like, they don't really have any, you know, future first-round picks from other teams. If they are going to rebuild this thing from the ground up, I think that, you know, the best way to do it is to just stockpile as many assets as you can. And then, you know, you don't always have to spend them. You could trade them, too. So that's one approach. And then also, like, I think it's becoming uh, pretty obvious that the Bulls are going to get blown out by a lot of good teams. Their veterans, even as I praise them, are still not, like, that good, right? Like, Garrett Temple, Nato Porter, and Thad Young aren't going to, like, you know, win you a championship, certainly. They're probably not even going to lead you to the eighth seed. But... They will win the Bulls some games. I think this is a terrific goal in the first half of the season. The Bulls should not be falling towards the bottom of the standings hoping for a lottery miracle because even if you have the worst record in the NBA, Jason, you still have an 86% chance of not getting the number one pick. Tanking is out. The Bulls do not need to tank dot, 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 yet. And I think that (laughs) at the trade deadline, that will be the time when you think about, okay, let's improve our asset base. One of those assets is our own draft pick, and probably it is in the best long-term interest of the franchise to trade those guys. And from what I've seen in the early part of the year, holy cow, dude, when if you know there comes a time when Otto and Thad are gone, and you can add Sadaransky to that as well, who has also been very good. I know he has COVID now, played three games, has looked, I think, better than last year, even though his numbers are totally pedestrian. But without those guys, I think the Bulls are going to free fall. A lot of times, like they're going to be able to beat some of the other bad teams, especially when Zach and Kobe get hot shooting. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what happened yesterday. If the Bulls play that Mavs game again, you have to remember that even without their two best players, Luka and Kristaps, the Bulls were still a four point home underdog (laughs) to the Mavericks. Maybe home court doesn't mean anything without fans anymore, but it just sort of speaks to where the Bulls are at. That even when you take Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic off Dallas, they're still favored by four to beat the Bulls. Pretty wild, especially considering the Bulls were only two-point underdogs to the Hawks on opening night. Uh, but I think, you know, what we've seen so far is uh, is a lot of positives from the veterans. And curious for your take on this, I think that, you know, mostly the vibes have been good and the team has actually been pretty fun to watch, which uh, to me, I was not really anticipating coming into this season. I always love the Bulls. I'll always watch every Bulls game pretty much. But last year they were... A huge drain to watch in this awful. year in the last they, couple of years in general yeah it's been awful <laughs> for sure in this year they're more watchable yeah i mean they also like if you just like look at some of their stats like if you look at their stats like overall it's like not great like they're towards the bottom of the league and yeah, let me look at like offensive rating it is what i had it uh like they're i think they're like in the 20s and like both offensive and defensive rating but a lot of that is because of the blowouts. Like they've gotten their ass whooped by these good teams. Like, and they've been unwatchable in those games. That is true. But in these other games, they have looked better again. They've been playing super fast. They've been shooting pretty well from three. So like if you're playing fast, moving the ball a bit 
and shooting well from three, like that's at least an enjoyable product to watch. It would just be nice to see them not get their ass beat by these good teams so badly. At least if you're going to lose those games, like at least be competitive and then lose those games. Uh, but yes, I mean, especially after that first start, those first couple games, they clearly just were not ready to play. I mean, that, that Hawks game was a joke. They just zero effort defensively. They, they admitted they weren't ready. They were clearly not ready. And then the same thing happened based against the Pacers where they give up two huge runs. Billy Donovan calls them out for not being mentally ready. And now since then, uh, they've been mostly competitive outside that Bucks game. But I mean, again, that's a second of a back-to-back missing guys against Milwaukee on New Year's Day. I mean, that, I never really expected them to even keep it close to begin with. So I can give, give them some slack on that one. Uh, but yeah, these other games, they've been more competitive, much more watchable, much more enjoyable, uh, at least for the most part. Uh, before we move on to our next topic, we're going to take a quick break here uh, and a word about Blue Wire Hustle. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, please go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast talking about the Bulls being a bit more watchable these days, uh, being a bit more enjoyable. Here's one uh, subject that I've kind of seen going around Bulls Twitter sphere of late, and that is Wendell Carter Jr. and Daniel Gafford. Gafford uh, started the season slow, uh, and I guess Carter did as well. But uh, a couple of these these wins that they've had, that second Wizards game, he was incredible off the bench. Uh, he was really re- he was really good last night against the Mavs. He also went six for six from the free throw line. Uh, if you again, you look at the plus minus stats, which again, admitted are wonky to start the season. Uh, it is not pretty for Wendell Carter Jr. He is currently a let me pull this up here a minus sixteen point one net rating. That's uh, the D rating is over hundred and twenty. Uh, with him on the court, Daniel Gafford, they are uh, Bulls are a plus eleven point one net rating with him. The defense goes down to ninety five point seven. There is a lot that goes into it, especially in these small sample sizes. Uh, Gafford's playing against bench guys. Carter's playing with the starters and with bad guard defensive players in front of him. So that that is not all his fault. But I mean, even besides that, Carter has had a few good games. Where after those first two really bad games, he's he started hitting in double figures, started hitting a few jumpers, but uh, he did not play that well against the Mavs last night. And like I said, Gafford did. Gafford's made a really nice impact off the bench. And I've seen some people talk about, oh, well, should the Bulls, I, I, I think, I, I don't know. I think this was the wizard, the second wizards game, maybe where I think, I don't know if it was Drew Gooden or somebody on the broad, one of the broadcasts was like talking about how Gafford should be playing more, how he should possibly start over Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, that just seems absolutely crazy to me to think I, like I said I know Gafford has had, had some nice games he's a great energy guy and Carter has not looked the best to start the season at times uh he struggled again these and some of these advanced numbers look really ugly for him um is where do you land on this conversation was gonna it's something that's just been kind of been talked about 
on the Twitter sphere as well. Like should, should Gafford get more minutes? Should he be a mainstay rotation guy? Should it be, uh, so I think we had talked last week about how Gafford would be like a, maybe the ninth or 10th man and kind of a situational guy. Billy Donovan even brought that up after the, uh, after that wizards game. Like, do you think Gafford should be getting a consistent spot of the rotation? Like, would you be thinking about playing him more than Carter? Uh, what do you think about that? Because it's, uh, it's kind of a hot topic these days in Bulls Twitter. For sure, yeah. I was uh, actually watching the Bulls Outsiders guys during the game yesterday. They do like a simulcast on YouTube. Yeah. So it was really good to uh, to see them. And they are all very adamant that they want Gafford starting. I think Will Purdue even like sort of responded to them on the pregame show. So uh, first of all, shout out to those guys, Big Dave and John and Matt, they do a terrific job. Make sure you're listening to their stuff too, if you're a Bulls fan and if you're listening to this. But uh, I would say that I, I got a couple thoughts. First of all, I think that Carter's super disappointing. Like, there's basically no way around it. Yep. I am not totally out on him at all. I still think that there's a good chance that, you know, he's going to end up being in average to above average starting center. But I always thought a key piece of the puzzle to Wendell Carter was going to have to be as a major offensive threat from the perimeter, right? It just makes sense. Like He's not a particularly big or particularly explosive center. The idea behind him was that he'd be able to shoot and pass at a super high level and that he would kind of be, I don't want to call him like a finesse big man because he's long, he's strong, uh, and we've seen him been able to like, you know, bang inside a little bit, but he was definitely more of like a skill guy than an athleticism guy. He was not someone who entered the league with a scouting report like James Wiseman, who was mostly like a, a run and jump guy, type guy. Uh, Carter, the the book on him was always like, you know, he's going to be able to hit catch and shoots, projectable shooters, whatever everyone always said with him. Uh, he's going to be a good high-low passer. He's going to be someone who could maybe uh, function as the fulcrum of the offense. Well, the skill portion of Wendell Carter is what's so disappointing to me because he is hitting 30% of his threes thus far. I don't have the exact totals in front of me. Okay, now I do. So the exact totals for Wendell Carter's three-point shooting is three of ten. Uh, he's banked in at least one of those, maybe two of them, like missed the shot so bad it hit the backboard instead of you know the basket and it went in. The passing also doesn't look very good. I've tweeted a couple clips of him missing marketing on some high lows, which I thought was going to be like a huge part of his game. I think that too often he gets the ball and immediately looks to give it back up again instead of looking to attack, reading the defense, making a pass. So all of that to say is that, yeah, I was a big proponent of Carter, and he, he kind of looks bad right now. I think he has plenty of time left. I do think that, you know, there's a chance that he can still shoot. I'm not going to say that the guy's definitely not going to be able to shoot because I think that uh, it's there in him maybe somewhere, but we haven't really seen it thus far. With that being said, I still think that you owe it to just Wendell and really the franchise itself to see through his development because if you consider the fact that Wendell's first two years were basically totally wasted under Boylan, he did have a little bit of Hoiberg time too where he looked pretty good, but... Uh, you know, mostly it was it was Boylan totally misusing him and I think murdering his confidence in a lot of ways. So the Bulls need to be committed to trying to make Wendell the best they can because, shit, dude, like if the Bulls end up with the number two pick in this next draft, and I know the Bulls aren't the second worst team in the league, but the odds are flattened out. And if they trade some of the veterans at the trade deadline, I do think it's possible they could still end up near the top of the draft. If they're looking at someone like Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs, you got to know what you have in Wendell Carter before you make that selection, right? Like Mobley is a center from USC. He was projected to be the second or third pick. 
Suggs is a point guard from Gonzaga who's projected to be the second or third pick. So if you're taking someone like Mobley, then I think, you know, that would end Wendell Carter's uh, tenure in Chicago, or at least as the center of the future. Maybe they could play together. I think, you know, a lot of that remains to be seen, but you have to know what you have in Carter. You have to know if he is someone you want to keep around long-term or you need to just like, you know, let him rebuild his value a little bit and try to trade him. Because I remember like even a year ago, I would get all these fake trade offers from fans of different teams who would want Wendell Carter. So it's important to still put Wendell out there. I do think that Wendell's defense, while it's been disappointing to this point, can still play and can still scale up at a high level. But uh, I don't think the idea that Gafford is more usable than Carter, this is a long-ass preamble, I'm sorry for that. I don't think that the idea that Gafford is more usable than Carter is crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I think that you know, three, four years from now, we can look back and it is possible that Gafford is perhaps a more functional NBA player. And that would mostly require Carter not being any good, more so than Gafford, you know, ascending yeah, sure. from higher plane. I think Gafford has a couple things on Wendell that really help the team. One is that he can just jump out of the gym. He's a lot taller. He's actually a lob threat, which Wendell isn't really a lob threat. And while Gafford, I do think, is like not as good of an interior defender, I think he's a little jumpy and not as disciplined as a shot blocker, uh, he still gives you like that threat of above-the-rim play on both ends of the floor. And you know that's why they drafted him. That was the book on him coming out of Arkansas. So he's been pretty good. I do think that they should get Gafford more minutes. I think that they're going to have plenty of opportunities to get him more minutes, even though they do have a crowded front court because of COVID, because of the schedule. You're going to have opportunities to get Gafford on the floor. And when he has been on the floor, there's been times where he's looked really good. I would stay committed to Carter for sure, but I don't think that it's totally asinine to consider the fact that perhaps Gafford, you know, could be more useful. Yeah, to your point about like the Bulls like owe it to like whatever the franchise and Carter, I, I would agree with that just because I think Carter ultimately still has more upside just in terms of what he can do possibly between with the shooting and the, the passing stuff. Maybe I mean maybe maybe he just doesn't have it. I mean maybe but I do think they still have to at least try it because I know you mentioned he's been missing, missing passes. Like I do think they are trying to use him in the way we wanted to get. If you look at like his assist percentage, it is way up. I think it's almost like doubled since uh, uh, from last year. And it's, I think it's over what it was his rookie season. So they're, they're certainly trying to get, to make it work. I guess after, after a while, if it just doesn't like, maybe you do just start giving Gaffer more like, will they start him? I don't know about that, but like maybe you do start kind of siphoning off Wendell's minutes and give him more to Gafford of, this kind of difference in, in effectiveness goes. I think with Gafford, he, I think he knows what his role is. He's comfortable. Like you mentioned, he knows he can roll to the rim and dunk the shit out of the ball, because he dunks really hard and he can really block shots. He doesn't try to force other stuff offensively that much. He knows he, he can't really do anything outside the paint. He has like, doesn't really just have, he doesn't have a very uh, wide offensive skill set and stuff like that. So he just kind of does what he does and he's pretty good at doing it as an energy, as an energy role guy. So, yeah, I I I'm, I do not want to give up on Wendell. I'm with you as well. I don't think it's time to like start Daniel Gafford, but I mean, if we're getting to a point, I guess where we are in the middle of the season, going into that second half, and Wendell's really struggling, and Gafford's playing well, uh, I guess depending on where you are in the standings, maybe you do make kind of transition into uh, into something and uh, with a lineup change or something like that. Um, I guess a, a few leftover thoughts from these last couple games before we kind of look ahead to the upcoming road trip here. Uh, just some, I guess some funny stuff. 
I think the one part, one hilarious thing from from the Bucks game was uh, Denzel Valentine's attempted. Uh, I don't even know what you, you. He tried to like they were down twenty eight or thirty. Uh, he fast break and he tries to like throw a pass. I believe like through his legs, like behind him, stolen. It kind of went viral. I feel like that was like the perfect. <laughs> Like that just like sums up Denzel Valentine, who is a skilled player. He's shooting really well so far from three this year. Obviously, very low volume, but he started. He shot the ball really well at start this year. But that's just like the perfect summation of Denzel Valentine, just, just trying something ridiculously goofy. I uh, think he's so much better than he is. I made a joke on Twitter. Someone like tweeted like, "Who's the worst player in the NBA who thinks he's the best?" And I tweeted a Denzel Valentine gif, and then just like I think I feel like that play. Uh, was just like the perfect, like the epitome of it. Uh, did you, does, what did you think of Denzel Valentine trying that ridiculous pass? Uh, Denzel Valentine, I, you know, you almost got to respect the fact that he has so much <laughs> confidence for being like such an unaccomplished NBA player. I saw that someone tweeted out like, who's the worst player in the NBA yeah. who thinks he's yeah. the best? And you immediately responded with Denzel. Yeah. So uh, just classic Denzel in every way. And it's good to see that even under new administration, something things never change. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. Another thing from the Bucks game, again, they got smoked that game, but Patrick Williams, uh, they kind of threw him to the Wolves, and he had a lot of uh, Giannis minutes. It, as expected, did not go uh, that well. I honestly did not watch that game that closely, so I wasn't like really watching like Patrick Williams like specifically like close. Really, I did not was not watching him closely guarding Giannis. Uh, but he had a great quote after the game, kind of talking about how his like shoulders, like his chest were on fire. Was, oh, his like chest was on fire because Giannis was just barreling into him all game and dominating him. But uh, I like the fact that uh, that they gave him that challenge. Uh, you learn the ropes right away. Again, he's one of the youngest guys in the league, and he's out there trying to guard Giannis. Again, it did not work. The Bulls got their ass beat. Giannis did well when going against him. But uh, I, li- I like the mentality, and I, and I just kind of thought that quote was funny about how just like he, his body was on fire because Giannis was just <laughs> going at him. For sure, yeah. It really uh, reminds you that like basketball is such a physical game, dude. And like for all of these young guys on the Bulls, just adding the type of strength that Giannis has been able to add since he came into the league would just be like so beneficial. And yeah, it's a it's a physical game. He got out physical by Giannis for lack of a better term and guess what everyone does that's why Giannis is probably the best regular season player alive at least so uh, I think very good learning experience from Pat Will I think Pat has in general uh, continued to show some good flashes I don't think that he's been like absolutely incredible I'll say that at the beginning of the season uh, (laughs) I started gambling on sports for the first time ever because (laughs) there was a local sports book that offered some you know, free money in their promotions. So I'm like, eh, I'll throw some free money on Pat Will to win Rookie of the Year. I also threw it on uh, Cole Anthony and Devin Vassell too. And so I'm like, we'll see how that goes. Well, I'm not. I don't think Pat Will's going to win Rookie of the Year through the first seven games or whatever it's been. But I do think he's shown a lot of positive signs. I think an experience like guarding Giannis is only going to be beneficial. And I sort of love the way the Bulls are developing, like throwing him in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, he's not going to close every game, but if he's playing well, he will close. I think that he still has a lot to work on in terms of, I think defensively, the thing I've noticed is like he struggles to get around screens. So that's going to be something where like, if he is going to defend on the perimeter, and I'm someone who always thought he'd be better defending on the interior, but if he's going to defend on the perimeter, you got to be able to like get through screens. And even a really good perimeter defender, like Devin Vassell, a rookie on the Spurs, he sort of struggled at times, uh, on um, you know similar thing navigating screen so it's a tough thing to do for young wings for sure but I think you know that's one point of improvement and then 
he's got to be able to get all the way to the basket. That was something I noticed yesterday. Like he just wasn't able to get all the way to the basket on some of his offensive attempts. So, uh, you know, he's the second youngest player in the league, man. Like he looked good in the preseason. I still think he's a very good looking long-term prospect. I still think he's the bulls best looking long-term prospect out of any of the young guys for sure. Uh, but it's going to be a slow burn. He's got a lot to work on his game, and it's going to be really exciting to see how he develops and how he continues to improve because it certainly sounds like he has the right mindset. Sounds like he's a, you know, I hate when people say this, oh, he's a nice kid, but it sounds like he's a, he's a good guy, you know, at least from in terms of his approach to the game. And it seems like the Bulls are committed to developing in the right way with Karnaschovas and Donovan. So uh, like everything I'm seeing out of Pat Will, but certainly, you know, we're talking about a 19-year-old. He's got a long way to go. Yeah, he did have a few – he racked up some nice stats in this Mavs game yesterday. I think it was like three steals, two blocks, or it might have been the other way around. But uh, he packed – who was it? He had a nice rotation. He stuffed somebody. Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah, that was – yeah. yeah. Willie Cauley-Stein's a seven-footer. Uh, Pat Will rotated down and just absolutely packed him at the rim. That was really nice. So, yeah, those kind of flashes just show kind of what he can do. And that kind of I, – I don't know if you tweeted about this or somebody else how he – that was one of the things he showed in college. It was just like a the rim protector from uh, at his position, whether it would power forward, small forward, whatever you want to call it. That he can kind of do that kind of help defense, help rim protection. And we saw that against the Mavs. Really nice play against a, a seven-footer. So that was definitely really nice. Um, looking ahead here to wrap up this podcast, the Bulls are going on a West Coast trip. It is not like the circus trip thing anymore like they, that used to happen, but we got a four-game West Coast trip as part of, again, this really tough January. Uh, Bulls caught a break with no Luka yesterday, obviously, and no Porzingis. But uh, these next four games, this next trip, and then even after that as well, some really some really tough games on the schedule. So this road trip is starting Tuesday at Portland, at Sacramento the next night. And then we got Friday, Sunday, we got Lakers, Clippers. So looking at that, you're thinking probably best-case scenario – who knows what happens with like health stuff? You never know how when COVID could could pop up. We just saw Ke- Kevin Durant is out a week now because of uh, COVID health and safety protocols. So like maybe that would happen. The Bulls get lucky. The Bulls are dealing with their own COVID issues. But you look at that schedule and you're thinking, hopefully they go one and three. Do you think they get a win on this road trip? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think one and three looks good. They got the Kings right. Yeah, that's the Kings second of a back-to-back. The Kings are dealing with some issues right now. With Albert, They started kind of well, but now they're do, dealing with uh, some dads, <laughs> Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley's dad spout, spouting off on Twitter and stuff like that. So, like, that, you would think that would be the, the winnable game out of these four, obviously. Dude, uh, here's a quick aside, but when Bagley was a high school player, I wrote a big feature on him and, like, kind of took some shots at his dad. I had all <laughs> these people telling me that, you know, he uh, he was kind of a, a troublemaker, sort of, and I felt super bad about publishing that column afterwards. Because why should some like someone like me be criticizing him in that position? But now I kind of feel vindicated. <laughs> so I, I haven't reread that column yet. It might be terrible at the time. You know, whatever. I felt a little bad after I published it, but it has been funny to see some of those rumors sort of start to bubble up to the surface years later on the Kings. Uh, I think Bagley's really talented, and he's one of the guys I really wanted to watch this year, so I hope everything is good with Bagley and the Kings. And uh, If it's not, hopefully he can get in a better spot to develop because I think he definitely has a lot of long-term talent still, even though he doesn't have a perfect skill set for the league. But like, look at someone like Christian Wood, who may be a similar skill set dominating for the Rockets. Anyways, this is a stupid tangent. But in terms of the road trip, uh, it's going to be a good test, right? Because it's going to be super hard. The Bulls are not going to be expected to win really any of those games. Like we said, if they could get one dub, that would be impressive. But 
I am curious to see how they stack up against the best teams in the league. I'm curious to see, can Zach and Kobe continue some hot shot making? Can the veterans still continue to like put the team in a position to compete against some of the better teams in the league? Would I be surprised if the Bulls have more 30-point deficit alert tweets from Casey Johnson? Absolutely not. I think that you know th- this type of trip certainly sets up for that sort of thing. There's been a ton of blowouts around the league all season long. So if the Bulls do get blown out, it isn't a sign that like there's something like super-duper wrong with them. It's really been happening to everyone thus far. Uh, but it- it'll be a good test, and it'll, you know, the Bulls need to make sure that everyone is safe and that their guys who have COVID are recovering and that, you know, everyone can stay healthy because we are still very much in a pandemic. But uh, I think, you know, the road trip should present some good opportunities to challenge them competition wise. Yeah, absolutely. I, I said before the start of the year that I was happy that they have, they have these tough games to start because I just kind of want to see what they're made of. And you mentioned the blowouts have been a ton of non-competitive games and the Bulls have been a part of some of those. Uh, and yeah, it would not be surprised if they could, their ass beat in at least one of these games. Uh, but if they can grab a win and maybe be competitive in at least a couple other ones, like I, and if they're whatever, they'd be, if they went one and three, they'd be four and seven after this road trip. And then again, the schedule does not really lighten up that much for the rest of the month. I mean, that's fine. Like I, said, I, I just want them to, again, we, our goal here is like, it'd be nice to see them play competitive basketball, be watchable, at least be fun to watch. Uh, hopefully we see some development from these young guys and build the veterans trade value. If they can all, if they can do that, uh, we go take it. I guess if they, again, if they are absolutely terrible, they, they go 0 4 on this trip and it's all bad. Like, I guess whatever. Then if you start thinking about like looking towards the draft already, I don't want to do that because I, as we said, we don't want to tank yet, but this will be a great test for them. And I hope they can respond to the challenge. And that if in these games, they do go down, it'd be nice to see them go. If they go down and these good teams, then not just totally fold. I think that's been one kind of issue that we've seen is they just have these huge against these good teams. They just go into a rut and then just, they can't get out of it. Uh, and a couple of these games, they they've gone down by a few points, but then they're able to kind of come back and study the ship. But obviously a few of these games, they just had these really long droughts. That's really kind of killed them. It'd be nice to be able to, respond to some adversity against these good teams and maybe stay more competitive, but we'll see again. I would, I, I guess they'll go one and three. I don't think they'll go and four. I'll, they'll grab at least one win. I don't know if it'll definitely be this Kings game, but I mean, the Blazers haven't been that great. The Blazers are only sure. three and three. They are obviously very, the, the backcourt of Dame and CJ has been on fire and that will be very tough. We'll see how the bulls pick and roll defense does. It has been a problem and those two guys can really light it up from almost anywhere on you. So that'll, that will be a tough challenge to stop them, but it's not a totally losable game. We discussed, we just saw, Steph Curry dropped 62 on the Blazers, and uh, uh, maybe Zach Levine can do his own little impression. He was almost on his way to it against the Mavs the other day. So um, the Blazers' defense is not particularly good, so there is some uh, there is something to take advantage of there. So if the Bulls can maybe, maybe they'll get into a nice, fun little shootout uh, tomorrow uh, Tuesday night against the Blazers and maybe pull out a win. We'll see. Uh, any other final thoughts here, Ricky, before we wrap up? I don't think so. All right. Well, for us here at Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast, thanks again for listening. Shout out, as always, to the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, please go check that out if you're interested. Obviously, we'll ha- we have more information uh, in the description uh, of our podcast here. For us here at Cash, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, uh, let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us. If you, you know where to find us on Twitter, at Bulls underscore J, at SB underscore Ricky. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about, if you have questions, if there's anything you want us to address at all. Uh, so for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, we'll talk to you guys next time. Hopefully the Bulls, we'll probably talk to you guys after the Bulls go on this four-game trip, and we'll see how that, ha- see how that goes. Take it easy, guys. Talk to you next time.